to an evening service with real people. And then you're going to have a break, and then we'll be back to evening services in September. But it's really good to see you, and thank you for coming along as we're going to hear uh, very much from Andy and Rihanna tonight, and uh, two of our members of our church who are not very good at attending. <laughs> but we'll hear more about that. <laughs> we, we need to renew view their membership, maybe not. But we're gathering in God's house, and we're going to just start off uh, with a very simple, well, I think a pertinent song for the mission cause, which is about who can sound the depths of sorrow in the Father heart of God, and that sense that God calls us. A very warm welcome to those who are joining online. It's good to have you with us. Hopefully, you can cope with this layout um, in thinking that that's different. What are they messing around there? But um, it's just we're a bit more closer together, a bit more intimate within our worship this evening. But let's just start with that song. Feel free to stand. You are allowed to sing these days as we have this song, Who Can Sound the Depths of Sorrow. If you prefer to stay seated, that's perfectly okay as well. can sound the depths of sorrow in the Father heart of God for the children we've rejected for the lives so deeply scarred and each light that we extinguished has brought darkness to our land Upon our nation Have mercy, Lord We have scorned the truth You gave us We have bowed to other lords We have sacrificed the children On the altars of truth again shine on us let your holy fear descend upon our nation have mercy Lord who can stand before your anger who can face your piercing eyes for you love the weak and helpless and you hear the victims cries yes you are a God of justice and your judgment surely Against the violence Who will come 
tonight as we're going to hear about the nation of Moldova we pray for that nation Lord in all we hear tonight may we hear your Holy Spirit speaking into our lives speaking into the church that Lord it's not just about what Andy and Rihanna are doing but also what you may be calling us to be a part of and do as well. Lord, have mercy. And may we too have mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I'm going to sit down. It's nice. I, can, I don't have to stand and preach tonight. Let me just move all these papers so I know what I'm doing. And uh, it's very much conversation tonight between... Andy, Rihanna and me, and we might include others if you behave yourselves. But uh, you've given me a list of questions, and I promise I won't keep to them. <laughs> uh, but let me ask you a question. Before we get into all the questions, if I was to ask you for one picture of Moldova life that really caused you to weep before God? Somebody you met, a situation, what would that be? Um, there was a family that we had met just recently before traveling and uh, so he had, 
there is this older lady who is partially blind, um, looking after already some grandchildren. And then here is a mother who is about to, well, the husband's already left, but she's also about to go to Germany um, on a bus. So the old woman's daughter, um, she's about to go on a bus. She doesn't know what part of Germany she's going to. And so many fears arose up in me of, you don't know. How can you get on a bus just so full of trust out of nowhere? Um, but when I got back in, we carried on talking with them as a family. When I got back in the car, I was in tears. Here are the grandchildren who were left on their own with the grandparents. And I understand why the parents make that decision to go, to get money for their family, um, to a place where there is a nicer living condition. Um, because we saw their house. Um, but it's hard to see that people are pushed to that limit. Um, but God is our Father who can take care of those children, and so that gave me that hope. Um, but yeah, that was a, a moment just recently where I came away and I just cried. Yeah. Um, I think for me, we, well, Rihanna wasn't with me at the time, but I'd gone with a, another small group and we were visiting um, an older man in his 60s. Um, and he was living with him and his two children. And he had two young, youngish children. I think they were, one of them was around 10 or 12 and the other one was six or seven. And he was, he was telling us about his, um, his life and his story. Uh, and he had lived together with his partner's family uh, and they'd got into a lot of debt. Um, they'd used a lot of their money to buy alcohol and kind of just ended up spiraling downwards um, to the point where his, his partner had to make the decision, okay, this debt is, is too much and I'm, we're not going to be able to escape it as we are, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Spain uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work to make money to cover this debt. Um, and he said that she had left and it had been over a year since she had left um, and when she arrived in Spain she just kind of ghosted them and they didn't hear anything from her anymore um, no finances came through no contacts whatsoever and he was just distraught um, his partner had, had just uh, abandoned them and he was in his 60s trying to raise these two young children um, in a house where the roof is or the ceiling is starting to sag and cave in um, yeah and just those that realization there in that moment for me was yeah you know it, it, it causes offense to me to see how we treat each other as humans um, and these are supposed to be people you know that we care about this is sometimes how we treat other people. But then that realization of, for me of, if, if I feel angry about this, I don't imagine how God feels about this. And that, that understanding then of like, oh, it, it really matters how we treat other people because we are 
We're all human beings. We're all made in the image and likeness of God. And so it, it really is important how, how we behave to, to other image bearers. Um, and then that just led me on a path of that to seeing Jesus' uh, words again, you know, when he's asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, whatever. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and I saw it with, with fresh eyes, that thing of it really is vitally important. Um, and that's a huge challenge because we're not very good at it all the no. time. No. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that was a real left field question, but it puts a context to what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about a nation which needs hope. Tell us about yourselves. Who are you? Uh, tell us a bit about you. Now, many of these people will remember you for years. Others will not know who you are. And so just imagine that amnesia has set in big time over Romford. And tell us about, a bit about yourselves. Well, he's Andy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Rihanna. Uh, yeah, don't get confused. Um, yeah, I, well, we've been married now five years, um, and we, we were married here in RBC. Um, I have been coming along to RBC since I was about 16, decided to follow Jesus shortly after that, and was baptized here. Um, yeah, so Andy and I met here in the church, um, we have both individual experience in missions um, before, well, yeah. So I was with OM for one year in Southeast Asia, um, based in Thailand, but I was able to take part in missions work around the area in other countries too. Um, shortly after that, when I came back, we were engaged and married. So... I um, have been coming to this church for 30 years. Well, I'm, physically I've not been here for the last four, but it's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, so my parents um, have attended this church, have been members for the church for a, a really, really long time. Um, so I was born into and grew up um, here in RBC. Um, so this is very much home for me. Um, I remember at the age of 16, I was baptized. Um, I decided then that was that I wanted to seriously follow Jesus. Um, and as I've grown a little bit older, I've just realized how much uh, he is asking of us um, as, as people um, and what that really means to live that out. Um, and then I, after finishing school, I did a, an internship here at RBC and I worked for a year with uh, the youth work. Um, and then I went to Moldova for the first time with, with OM um, and I stayed for two years. I came back, uh, I worked for a little while in a school in, um, in Dagnum, uh, translating uh, for Romanian and Moldovan students who were fresh into the country um, and then 
yeah, I did some training as a carpenter, worked for a few years in London, and then in that time we got married, and then, yeah, four years ago-ish, we went to Moldova again. So what, what took you, I mean, you've started to introduce the theme, but, you know, you live in a nation which is fairly wealthy, despite what the papers might tell. We are an affluent nation. Um, you had skills that could earn you fairly good sums of money, yet you chose to go to the poorest nation in Europe on not a very high amount of money coming in. What led you to that kind of mission? Um, I think maybe like I already mentioned, this, this call of Jesus is, uh, is a compelling one, but it, it, it's unusual. It doesn't quite fit the, I don't know, what everybody else is telling you about life. You know, these are the things that you need in life. This is what you need to aspire to. Um, and I, I think I really started to understand Jesus is king, okay? I want to serve him. And serving him doesn't necessarily mean having, you know, a great job. Doesn't necessarily mean um, being comfortable doesn't necessarily mean always doing the things that I enjoy um, but it means sometimes um, difficult obedience um, sometimes it means giving things up which are, are starting to become too big for you, they're too important um, and I think a part of it for me was yeah, was about that. Sometimes Jesus asks us to do things, not necessarily because the end goal is to achieve that, but I think sometimes he wants to know, where is your loyalty? Um, how far are you willing to go for me? Um, and so I think maybe initially that's where that started for me in that journey. Um, obviously, th through that journey, I've... I've been broken a few times for, like I was saying, for people. And how do we treat people? And, and what are we showing to people? People are valuable. Um, what does it really mean? You know, if, sometimes these are difficult questions, but, you know, if, if we believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father, and Jesus is, he is, to know Jesus is to have eternal life, well then, people who don't know him, they can't have that. And they're missing that. And, and am I comfortable, and am I okay with denying them that by not stepping out? Yeah, um, yeah I think Moldova was not my first choice of where I wanted to go. That's part of our journey and story. When we were a married couple, we both are very passionate about missions and are sure that this is what God wants from us next, but different viewpoints on where in the world that was going to be. 
um, it takes a lot of humility to come to that point of complete obedience and say, it's not my will, it's whatever you want from me and I will follow you wherever that is. So only when I got to that point, it, I loved that it was through me that God said, yes, Moldova. Um, so I, could, I, was, I had to shake off all of that stubbornness and selfishness of what I wanted so I could go with what God wanted for us. Um, and now when I look back, it was only a few months into us being in Moldova and a group were coming around and we were to share with them, why are we passionate for missions? Where did we first hear about missions? And I realized, wow, actually, one of the first times that I really thought that God could actually ask me to be involved in his work abroad was when I was reading a book from Brother Andrew, um, someone who was running the Bible study here for the youth had recommended it to me and given that to me. Um, and well, it was about being behind the closed, the Iron Curtain and I think, well, I, Moldova was one of those countries that were in the Soviet Union and behind the Iron Curtain. So now as I look back and I see the journey that God has taken me on, and I am in a country that I was first, that first broke my heart for what missions is about. Um, it's really neat how God works. Um, yeah. If, if only sent us some emails and save us all the bother. <laughs> it's know. a lot more specific. Yeah. I think we often want just a clear, tell me yes, tell me no, tell me this or that. Yeah. Following God sometimes is confusing. Yeah. Often scary. So you went off to Moldova with this organization called OM, or Operation Mobilization. I prefer OM, I can spell that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think if uh, on the screen we could have the second picture of the PowerPoint, which hopefully will come up in a moment. Um, tell us about OM. Mm -hmm. um, on the screen you will see a picture of the founder. In a minute. In a minute. There he is. That was the first one. <laughs> That's not him. <laughs> next, next slide, please. I feel like I'm in 10 Downing Street now. <laughs> um, he had recently left school or was in college and he gathered a group of friends together. He's American and they wanted to give Bibles across the border to Mexico. Very simple mission, very simple idea that has grown and expanded. Um, so what was that, 60 years ago? Ish. Um, into this worldwide organization. Um, OM works in over 100 countries, 110-ish. Um, Cross-denominational, um, so it's not specific to a denomination, uh, not specific to a all Americans or all British. We work with all kinds of people going to all kinds of places with all kinds of ministries. Um, 
the one thing that unites us and is our heartbeat is that we want to see that everyone has access to or is part of a living community of Jesus followers. Um, and we want to go to those places where they are harder to reach, where they have little or no access to the gospel. Um, how we apply that across countries will look a bit different, um, depending on what the needs are and what the resources are and so on, what the culture is like, the context. But that is the goal of everything we do. We're looking for who are those hardest to reach people groups um, who have no access to a church or any Christian. How can we get there? What can we do? Okay, we can just lose the slide back to the camera so people at home can see this lovely couple as well. Uh, we'll come back to the slides in a minute. Do you want to add anything to that, Andy? No. You see, Rihanna's doing it so well, isn't she? Anybody here remember George Furrer? He came to preach about two years ago, didn't he? And he was wearing that jacket then. Yeah. In fact, every time I've seen the guys wearing that jacket, we must have a whip round for a new jacket for George Furrer. But no, that jacket is so important to me because it's got the map of the world on it, of his mission field. He, he actually, uh, he hands them out from time to time to people who have been with OM for a long time or who have been the leaders of uh, maybe a field or a country somewhere. Um, so they're, they're quite famous within OM as well. Um, they do look a bit funny, but, you know. <laughs> so your aspiration to get one? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say no to one, but it's not my uh, ultimate desire. <laughs> so tell us about... Um, We've heard about OM International. You work for, in effect, OM Moldova branch. What's it look like on the front line there? What's OM? And I think on the third slide, there's a map of Moldova, uh, which can come up. There you go. Yeah, so um, in Moldova, OM, yeah, will look slightly different to than it would in, in other places. Um, being the poorest country in Europe, um, there's a lot of opportunity for more like humanitarian aid, physical material aid. Um, and so that is an area that we, um, yeah, that we work in quite heavily. Um, we call it, in Moldova, we call it um, evangelism resources or tools. Um, because although we, we can meet people's physical needs, maybe through uh, like projects like providing people with chickens or goats or cows um, to provide an income for their families, um, we can do that, and that does fulfill a, a physical need, but it is also a way that we can start a conversation of listen, this is something which, which will help you physically, but we, you know, it's also a door, a doorway into opening up those more, those deeper conversations about the, the spiritual things of life, um, the very fact that, that God sees everything that we do, uh, not in a judgy way, 
but in a, he knows our needs. He's aware of those. And, and sometimes, look, God has sent us as an organization to be able to come and help you in your physical need. Um, that's one, quite a large way that we, that we work in, um, in Moldova. We have other things like uh, local ministry teams where we partner together with churches in the, the lesser reached areas of Moldova. So they're areas where maybe there's only one evangelical church in, a, you know, in an area of about 30 villages. Um, and so we partner together with that church and we send a team of maybe five or six um, people to go and work and build uh, relationships and connections within the community and, and try and evangelize and, and grow a, a community of people who follow Jesus in that area so that then we can leave and they can carry on that work because ultimately they will be more effective in the long, t- in the long run. Um, yeah, what else do we do? Um, I guess just clarifying when we say humanitarian aid, that can vary. Um, we try to look at various people groups in the country. So that could be like a school project, school supply project for children. Could could be seeds we've started in the last year um, so that people can grow their own fruit and veg for themselves. Um, usually they have a small garden to do that. Um, so that starts them going. Um, chickens, we give a set of chickens away. Um, or cows, or goats. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately, wherever we go with those projects, we want to be engaging in conversation. And we hand out a Bible to those who are interested. Um, yeah. Poverty, I mean, we talk about poverty in this country and what what's what's the average income what what's what's a family likely to get in uh, Moldova so the the average income in Moldova is about 200 euros a month that being the average then obviously means you have some people who are super rich um, but in Moldova the the big thing that's missing is there is almost no like middle class. So you have people who are very wealthy and people who have nothing. And there's not much in between. You said 200 euros a, a month. month. Yes. So yeah. that's 180 pound a month. Yes. And then when, when you take into consideration people who are living in the villages, um, they tend to have less because the pensions are not great so they might only be getting something like 50 euros a month Um, then they'll have medications that they need to buy if they're elderly um, which often pretty much consumes everything Um, then they have most most of the houses in the villages will be heated by uh, wood fires in the winter, um, and to buy uh, like a, the cubic uh, meters of, of wood that it takes, because it takes an awful lot of wood to heat your home for, 
four or five months um, from like November to, to March. That's, that's really expensive. Um, and they struggle often uh, to, to juggle. How do, you, how do you buy medicine or, or what do you buy? Do you buy medicine? Do you buy food? Do you buy fuel? What do you buy? Um, and so we see most of that is skewed towards the villages. That, that's really where a lot of the poverty is. Um, yeah. Can you imagine living on that little? I mean, you know, and we're also talking about one of the coldest countries in Europe as well. What's the winter temperatures? So usually we would expect in the winter that it would get down to minus 15, 20. It's been known to get down to minus 25 or so. Um, I mean, this, this year was milder, um, but we still had several weeks where it was minus 10, 15. It takes some getting used to this in your mind, doesn't it? Just actually how do people in the 21st century in Europe have such a different lifestyle and we complain in this country we're good at complaining so you do all this training you do the evangelism what's it called them evangelism tools okay resources and that sort of thing to help you what are the results of these things what what do you see coming out of your work um we we have some great stories whenever we go into the village. Um, and sometimes you can be going into the one house to give them a food packet. Um, they're known by the local authority or the pastor, social worker, whoever we're going with. Spend time there. On the way out, there's been a couple of stories we've had where actually... The neighbor has seen this group turn up at the door and they're the ones who have asked, what are you doing? <laughs> who are you? Why are you here? Being nosy, um, everyone in the village wants to know each other and that's just being friendly and you've got to know what's going on. Um, there's been one story where the neighbor straight straight out just asked, can I have one? Well, we walked in with a food packet, and so they, you know, the response was, well, the food packets actually, we've got to give them to those that are authorized to us by the local mayor or social worker, so they're not something that we have unlimited of to give away today. Um, he said, no, 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 not the food packet. I, I want that, the book, the Bible. And, well, we've got plenty of those. <laughs> what language do you speak? Romanian, Russian, big print? <laughs> um, so we're able to give away a Bible to him and straight away to see them engage and open up the Bible. And as you're leaving, he's still there reading the Bible, just soaking it all in and pouring it up. And so it's not always the house that we go into that receives and recognizes Jesus at that time or, you know, is, yeah. 
but it could be the neighbour, or it could be when we've gone, I don't know, does the neighbour ask them questions, or what did they say to you? What did you talk about? There's more opportunity there that can happen that we don't even see. But one thing that I've learnt and seen and recognised is that just be ready um, to go through the doors that are open and available. Um, take every opportunity that is there. Um, so there's been many times if there's too many people in the house, I'm very happy to stand on the street and talk to someone else across the road because I want to make the most of that opportunity that's there. Um, yeah. Yeah, sometimes we... Well, not sometimes. We send teams out. Usually we would send teams out um, throughout the year, but also more heavily focused in the summer. I mean, this, this year and last year obviously are very different, and so we haven't been able to do that in the same way as we normally would. But we would quite heavily do outreaches in villages all across Moldova uh, in the summer especially. Um, but it's amazing really how often we would come across people who would say oh yeah, we had, we had a team who came here last year or the year before or oh I was part of this project and I've still got the goat at home or now I've got three goats or um, just seeing sometimes the, the real physical impact that it has and it often, it often carries more than just the physical need that it met and it, and it really does leave a good taste in people's mouths and I think that that is that's something then that when we go back to we're able to build upon uh, and to be honest maybe it's not even us that do the, the majority of the work because we, because we partner with local churches it will be that either the pastor or um, a deacon or somebody who works with the church and is responsible for that, that village or that area, they will be the, one, the ones who continue to build those relationships, continue to pour in. Um, yeah. And so, but it is great to be able to come back to a place that we've either been before or we know other people who have been there or, yeah, to come back and to see the, the impact over a longer time that, that those initial things have. Um, one thing we didn't mention was we also do trainings um, for, for Christians in the country, um, for churches and, um, and pastors. Uh, and one of the things is we really want to be able to see people equipped um, to really get stuck in themselves where they are. Um, because often there's a desire for people, from people, to really be involved in, in God's work. But they often say, I, I just, I don't know how to do that, or I'm not confident in this, or where do I even start? Um, and so we, we run training programs to try and equip people to, to be able to not even necessarily fulfill a, a role in a specific place, but to be a, a competent Jesus follower wherever they are. A lot of, a lot of Moldovans are leaving the country, especially uh, in the bracket of 20 to 50, uh, that age bracket, are leaving to, to earn 
um, try and provide for their families or seek a better life, and Christians included. But even if they leave, we want, to, we want them to have the tools to be a good witness. Um, and so we, yeah, we do training programs to, to try and meet that need. And we have, we've seen good things come from it. Um, yeah. Sometimes we're a bit sad to see the Moldovans who have, they have good potential um, leave to go abroad and, and earn. But we understand that that's a need also for them. But it is, yeah, it is a bit sad. And also if they then go abroad, I trust that the skills that they have been given can now be used elsewhere. They're going away and they understand wherever I go, who are the people that I can build relationships with and invest in. And it's, yeah, I guess it's then not solely focused on the Moldovans staying in Moldova, but it's this worldwide perspective of what is God doing? How can you engage in what God is doing? Um, yeah, we've, we've seen some great stories there. We've seen some that the internationals come into Moldova for this training and then leave, stay in their home country and get involved in refugee camps or um, then going to another country that's a closed nation or being there's yeah a couple now who are in Poland um, there so people really spread out it's we're not telling people what they should do um, we trust God to lead them with whatever they're doing so we love receiving their newsletters and what's going on um, and from we've seen some Moldovans go away after the trainings and one is a deacon of a church plant um, he's entrusted to work there on his own um, and I think that is because the pastor has trusted from that training he is now equipped to do that work um, sadly no one else has been able to come and work alongside him um, but I trust that there is someone with that passion and desire to see that come through so you've been out on the field Moldova for four years now. Yeah. Um, I've had the privilege of coming out and seeing you there, and I hope that happens again when all the rules. But for two of those years, COVID is really hit. Yeah. Um, as you probably gather this morning from what I was saying, you know, people here have been miserable about COVID and complained about everything. What are you, how does it affect a place like Moldova, and how's it affected your ministry and mission? Um, we've seen some wide-scale effects. Um, already it's a country with high unemployment, so it's not a great situation to be in, um, to start with. Um, but initially our ministry, we stopped, um, had to take a time of reevaluating what is a smart way to carry on. Um, how do we do this? <laughs> um, and then when we were able to resume, there were some changes that we made um, in how we carry out our activities. Um, yeah, I think this theme of hope that we were talking about this morning, 
Um, when we did a large team uh, like survey and we all shared and were discussing and brainstorming, what are the needs? What is the situation? How can we engage? It was that aspect of hope. People have lost hope. Um, yeah. That is what we want to give to people. True hope. Um, it's not on the script, but, you know, <laughs> how have you maintained hope? Yeah. You know, you, you want to give hope, but actually your ministry rugged in a way has been ripped under from underneath you. You can't do the things you want to do. <laughs> how have you maintained that word hope? Um, yeah. It, that's been quite difficult, I think. Um, the... Yeah, I, just over a year ago, a close friend of ours um, who we had been working with, who was based in Romania, uh, he died. Um, he was seeking the Lord's face for what was next in his life, and he decided to take a day of solitude. Um, and he, he went hiking in the mountains, and he slipped. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he, he passed away. And that was a bit of a shock for us, already then being three or four months into COVID. Um, and we, we've had uh, two of our closest friends, well, two families who were, we, would, we considered our closest friends have since left um, Moldova and Romania. Um, and so I guess for us, it, it has been that question of like, where is your hope? And it, yeah, sometimes I think the, the circumstances around you or that you're going through do seem overwhelming. And yet, God is faithful. Um, yeah, he, he is, how does he reveal himself to Moses? He says, I am. Um, he, he's constant, he's consistent. He is... He's just good. <laughs> and I think sometimes we can really almost like hyper-focus on, on some things and they tend not to be the good things. And so for me, at least, it has been actively reminding myself that although everything seems to be going down the drain, although when I look at the world and I see, you know, it just seems to be absolute chaos and it doesn't look good, still, God sits on a throne, and all things answer to him. And that is both terrifying and incredibly comforting at the same time. Um, I was reflecting the other day on um, the, the series of, of uh, stories or how it progresses in in Matthew and, and in Mark, where, oh, let me, what was it? The feeding of the 5,000 into uh, Jesus walking on the water. And, and just trying to imagine what that was like for the disciples. And, and really, it was a, a moment where I realized, you know, they're seeing Jesus have this, this pristine character of he's, 
he's mourning the loss of, um, of John the Baptist as he's just been uh, beheaded. He, he withdraws to be alone. He sees the crowds, has just immense compassion upon them, spends time ministering to them in their need. And then he, he shows astonishing power in providing food for over 5,000 people out of five loaves and two fish, sends his disciples on their way across the water, and in the, the middle of the night when hope is lost, he appears walking on the water. And I just thought, oh my goodness, how, how, how did they feel? And that realization for me, of I think I would have felt that combination of absolutely terrified and and yet what what can you do and what did they say they said truly you're the son of god and they worshiped him and and i think those kind of moments they are the things that give give hope um if we put our hope in other things they disappoint the only thing that satisfies is jesus um, bit long-winded but <laughs> not at all not at all so what's so the lessons you've learned over four years of mission what would you say to us what you've learned that you feel we as a church ought to learn as well um so yeah one of the more recent things was like i'd said at the beginning how we how we treat other human beings is vitally important. Um, we're all made in the image of God. We're all made in his likeness. Uh, and, and that gives value. Um, and so regardless of who it is, whether it's somebody who's working in a shop, whether it's somebody who's driving a bus, whether it's somebody who really rubs us the wrong way, it matters how we, how we treat them. Um, so that's something that's more recent. I think something maybe that spans the, the four years has been regardless of where we are physically and what position we are in, whether that's like we're a pastor or whether we are a deacon or whether we're just, you know, maybe a, a normal person. Uh, <laughs> what you're saying about us <laughs> <laughs> anyway we we all have this responsibility of of responding in obedience to jesus jesus doesn't say okay pastors you need to be obedient to me and everybody else can just watch you do what you do he is calling us all to this radical life of submission and, and obedience um and we can well if we want to call on that name, if we want to say, yes, I am a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, then that is something that, that should be evident in the way that we live. Um, and that should be different to the people um, that we work with. It should look different to the rest of our towns uh, and the rest of, of our country. It should be something really quite radical. 
um, in a good sense. I mean, radical love is, uh, yeah, I, I think I was having this com conversation with several, several people that often talk is cheap, um, but a life that is, is lived out in obedience to God is, is something really compelling. Um, and that's for all of us. Or that it is there for all of us. We can choose to, to, to take that up and to walk with it, or we can choose to, to leave it. So um, we're really glad that our mission of our church is going on in Moldova, and we bless you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing that on our behalf. That is great. We can now wait till you come back next time. Is that right? Or is there a partnership? What does it look like to us, your sending church? What would be your dream from your sending church? Um, absolutely. You are as much part of the missions work in Moldova as we are. Um, that is such a vital part. Um, the people who pray, the people who financially give um, are just as much part of us living there. <laughs> um, and equally here, you will be investing in and speaking with people here. Um, we each just have different roles. Um, I think, yeah, in missions, God wants us, God's, God wants us to use everything that we have and some, that will look different for each person. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, we, we miss this time of face-to-face -face with you, um, that when on email, I think you can miss this connection of how you are a part of what God is doing in Moldova please don't forget that you are a part of what's going on in Moldova. Um, we are so thankful for you and we need you. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was just from the heart. <laughs> and he's now reminding me. Um, what you should have said. <laughs> what I should have but said. But what you said was really, really important. Let's not lose that. Yeah. Um, you know... I know I'm not as good as others at sending regular emails, but I know they're important to you. Mm -hmm. Just those emails are blessing. And on the screen right now, we'll put the email addresses on. It's the last slide, mm -hmm. I think, in the PowerPoint. Um, you can email them directly. You don't have to go through the church. Yeah. Just send an email of encouragement. You, you know, you've heard the environment they're in. And they're always happy to receive an email. And they do respond. And, you know, just sending some thoughts, an encouraging word, just means so much. When you're on that mission field, and Moldova is a mission field, and I know the whole world is a mission field. I better not contradict George Railway here. But you're on the frontline mission there, but you're away from your family. You've moved away from all your friends and that. Yeah. And just hearing some words about what is going on in the UK, a greeting that is so important to you. Yeah. I just felt I needed to tell that, reinforce yeah. what you're saying. 
But now you can tell me what you should have said, which Angie's pointed out. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, let's exchange emails, um, chat some more, but on a more practical note, in the next few months there will be more information, you've heard a little bit already, um, coming out about a Christmas appeal. Um, this is part of the work that we are already doing as a group in Moldova, um, so you will be even more involved um, with what's going on. Um, JJ, David and family are heading this up for us. Um, so they will have more information even still later on as we go through. I'm sure you'll be fed the information that you need to know coming up. Um, but yeah, it'll be a great opportunity for you to physically send things to be a part of the, these projects, whether it be blessing a family with a set of chickens or giving them some woolen clothes. We won't be sending the chickens, but through the money that is given, we can buy chickens to give to the family. Um, Not even the pre-packed chickens that come in eggs. <laughs> <laughs> but we do often see chickens just on buses in Moldova, but that's another story. <laughs> so it wouldn't be strange for me to see chickens on a bus travelling on the road. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, various ways that you can engage in, the, in that Christmas appeal um, to be hands-on what's going on and we will make sure to report back some stories and photos about the families that are blessed through that project. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anything else? Is there anything else you want to say that I haven't asked you the question for? <laughs> no, not from me. Not from you. Before I just open it, is there any questions from anybody else? But before I do that... I think, was it in last month, last time's um, magazine the, about the Christmas appeal, or was it in the one that's coming out? It has been in one. It has been in one. But if you haven't got the information... Check the, the website. Check the website. But if you can't find it, email into the office, we'll send it you. But literally, you can do anything from making clothes very high quality second hand clothes not, not, not jumble you're talking about needing to bless something with something that's going to last um, to giving money for a food parcel was it 20 euros for a food parcel to buying some chickens to buying a goat you know these things transform lives and I seriously want to say Start thinking about what you can be a part of. Maybe you're a part of a small group. Maybe you're part of a ministry within the church. And you can just grab hold of this. Don't wait until November to start thinking about it. You can think about it now. It might be summer project or whatever. And if you've got children and grandchildren, they can be doing things that go to the children and grand grandchildren of the people out there. Because... On 200 euros a month, which a family might have, colouring pencils are a luxury. Mm -hmm. yeah. And paper is a luxury. So, you know, 
don't leave it to think about how, but that's only part of the partnering. We did hope to have a team going out last year. That didn't happen, but let's pray that can happen in the future. Um, but keep sort of supporting in any way you can. Any questions from anybody? Now, when, if you ask a question, I'm going to repeat the question because you haven't got a microphone, so the people online won't hear. But is there any questions quickly before we start to come to wind up? Ken? Okay, let me just repeat that. So in Moldova, there has been a recent election, a new parliament, and um, a new president. Has that brought any hope or anything? Um, so, uh, Moldova and, and politics is a fun combination. Um, since, since Moldova became uh, its independent country about 30 years ago it's been reasonably unstable politically and it's kind of yo-yoed and, and every six months or so there's an election because there's just not been any stability, no one can really decide this way or that um, and so before Christmas, there was a presidential election, and in Moldova they have a president and a prime minister. Um, but the presidential election, the outcome was uh, a lady called Maya Sandel, and she was more pro-Europe. And a lot of people are, are hoping that she will bring good things for Moldova. She, at that point, wasn't really able to, to get anything done because she wasn't able to form a, a parliament because no party had a majority and the people who opposed her, mainly the pro-Russia sides, were causing... Well, they were just trying to mess it up, really. Um, so a few weeks ago, they were having the... Uh, elections for the Prime Minister and the Parliament and her party ended up winning a majority so now it's looking quite huh? yeah it's, that, this isn't normal for Moldova but it is looking yeah it's looking like potentially we're going in a there's a, a good direction and I think a lot of people are hopeful that this is going to bring, yeah, good to Moldova. We don't, we don't know yet. I mean, who knows? It's early days. Yeah, it is very early days. What is it going to look like in a year or six months? Um, often the result in the past has been that somehow somebody finds a sneaky way around it to like, put an injunction on the parliament or the, the president and just it descends back into chaos again so we'll wait and see what that uh, what that looks like you actually Rihanna reads uh, a blog of a, an American guy who also lives in uh, Moldova and he 
likes politics and he kind of gives a, a rundown of the current political situation, um, which is really interesting to read. Do you have anything else to say about that? I didn't read it today. She hasn't read it recently, okay. <laughs> Hadn't done her homework in time. <laughs> you, you weren't uh, prepared for that question, were No. You? <laughs> JJ, you've got a question. Yeah. Can you repeat that? I didn't quite hear it. I've got a fan in the other ear. Yeah, thank you. So the question is for... Newcomers or, or people who may be not newcomers, um, opportunity to financially support Andy and Rihanna in their ministry. Tell us about how that can happen. Uh, in the interweb world that we live in, there is <laughs> a very easy, simple link that I can send to you. Um, click on the link, up comes our page. It is an OM. The UK OM have set that up for us, and you can straight away start saying if this is a one-off donation, if this is a regular donation, um, that is a very easy link to send out. Um, I will seek advice on how best to distribute that. Um, but if you're interested, I can send that to you one-to-one, -one, but I can do another reminder largely to a large group if that's desired. Yeah. Thank you. But what? Yeah. Uh, OM don't pay us. So it's not that we're employed. We are there um, as volunteers. Um, and many, many of the church uh, individually and as a, an organization do uh, financially sponsor and support us. And that's something that we're really grateful for. Um, and we really feel that partnership um, but there's always, uh, there's always room for improvement. Um, situations change individually, mm. um, and we recognize that, that people's situations change. Um, but we would always welcome uh, people who would uh, be interested in sponsoring us as well. And if you put a gift into the offering in an envelope marked for Andy and Rihanna, that will also go... And if you gift aid to the church, that gift aid money can still be claimed and will be passed on as well. Okay, so there are several ways of supporting the ministry. Um, from the page, which Rihanna can link you to, or through the church, and it will go, it will be allocated and go out. We, we send lump sums a couple of times, or three times a year, don't we? Yeah, so, okay. Any other questions? Bernd. Don't worry, Anna. It's not about your singing. Um, the, the, the problem is one of the things that they missed most, most when they were um, working was they couldn't get prep eggs. For whatever reason, they took them up and loved that. What do you miss most? Okay, so the question is uh, when the Fromants, they, they miss frappes. Oh, cream eggs. Cream eggs. Speak English, man. <laughs> uh, they, they, they miss cream eggs most. And uh, what is the thing you miss most from England when you're out on Waldo? Um, I guess we've managed to find a couple of things now. 
that are available that wasn't there when we first moved. So there is now a German supermarket, Kaufland, if that means anything to anyone, yes. So we can find Heinz beans, <laughs> which is wonderful. Um, yeah, so small things like that have made a difference in making you feel comfortable. I'm just going to get there. <laughs> Salt and vinegar, flavoured anything, does not exist in Moldova, and it makes me incredibly sad. <laughs> so, so, quite often, we've been back for a few weeks, but whenever we're in Rumford, I take that opportunity of okay, I'm going to have salt and vinegar crisps. Um, yeah, that's something that I have missed, for sure. Um, I remember a big part of Ian's package when he came over last time were things like digestive biscuits or PG tips. Um, specifically PG tips, I haven't found those anywhere. So we have a stash. We use them or we give them away to other Brits that also drink PG. Um, just little touches of home. Um, you miss your biscuits. I, I'm a big sweet tooth, so biscuits. <laughs> yeah, I do like lots of biscuits with my tea. Um, I was so glad I wasn't stopped on the way into Moldova. What's in your case, <laughs> sir? Because it was just boxes and boxes of tea and chocolate yeah. and this sort of thing. Are you staying long, sir? <laughs> <laughs> Are you selling this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one more question. I think we've got time for one more question, if there is one. Okay, I'll come back to you. So, do you get any free time? What's your question, David? So the questions are, what, do you get any free time? And secondly, what support is there available to you locally? Not necessarily financially, but you know, emotionally, yeah. physically, those sort of things. Um, free time, yes. We keep that discipline of making sure we have that day off and Sabbath each week. And our team around us, I'm very good at reminding other people <laughs> about having the time off that they need and and he's very good at reminding me boundaries Rihanna <laughs> stop just enjoy this evening and stop thinking about work um, yeah in our free time we like to go for walks around a local park in the summer um, we've got some board games that we invite people over have dinner together um, yeah so we make sure we have that free time ourselves I think that's important part of being a healthy balanced lifestyle um. and then so within OM Moldova there is a we it's called the personnel department and so they part of their responsibility is people care um, and so there are people within our team locally that that are there to try and support us um, but there are also people within OM International who are responsible for people care, and there are a couple especially who are responsible over Eastern Europe. And so 
yeah, they're available as well to reach out to um, either on Teams or by email. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's also important why we've tried to make good connections with other, especially internationals, who understand what we're going through when you're an international living in this land. Um, those relationships are the informal, natural way that we look out for each other. Um, but, yeah. Thank you both very much for sharing from your heart tonight. It's been really appreciated. I think we've really appreciated what we heard. And I'm going to pick on somebody now, and she'll probably tell me off in the morning, but Hannah, would you come and lead us in prayer? For She won't really tell me off. But... Uh, can you use their microphone? Is that all right? Uh, just lead us in prayer for this couple. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for Andy and Rihanna. We thank you, Lord, for giving them that heart for serving others, that heart, Lord, for reaching those unreachable places. Thank you, Lord, that you called them, Lord, to be your hands and your feet in Moldova. We pray, God, that you would bless them, Lord, in their ministry, Lord, and in their mission field. Thank you, God, for helping them, Lord, to just give us a small picture of what life looks like for those people, what life looks like for them. Father, would, as we leave this place, Lord, would we, would we think on the things that we have heard this evening? Would it change the way that we see you, the way that we see each other? Would it change the way that we think and pray for Andy and Rihanna and we pray for the country of Moldova? Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your compassion for each and every one of us as your children. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, that as we go from here, Lord, that, that the things that we have heard, Lord, would permeate the lives that we lead and the witnesses that we show to people. And we just thank you, God, again for Andy and Rihanna. Thank you, God, for them. Thank you, God, for all you're doing through them and for all you will continue to do through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we conclude, we're just going to sing another song. And as we sing it, maybe you'll hear God's voice to you. I, the Lord of sea and sky. Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? Let's stand as we sing.
When do you go back? Uh, the plan is... Oh, get rid of this thing. The plan is the 6th of August, currently. Right. To be precise. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, when we left Moldova on the 28th of June, we were okay to just come back and there would be no... Uh, issue. Since then, the UK is now on their red list, and if we were to go back now, we'd need to quarantine for 14 days. If we were 
double vaccinated at least 14 days before flying, then we wouldn't. We've had our first vaccination a while ago, and we, we were planning to try and get the second one done before we flew. So now we're kind of weighing up. Do we... Well, we're going to try and get the second jab done, but then do we move the flights and have a couple weeks longer here and then be able to go back and not quarantine at all? Or do we take the flights that we booked and quarantine in our apartment for 14 days? Okay. And, unless it changes between now and then. Yes. Or, yeah. Obviously a matter for prayer. Yes. People have heard make that a matter for prayer. They're happy to be contacted while they're in the country. If you've got any questions, do so. But thank you both for sharing your heart tonight. We hope the family wedding is a lovely occasion as well, which is, of course, the reason you came back at this time. But I hope you have a really great family wedding, and we'll be thinking of you on that. And so now may the blessing of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. And you are, I'm getting signs from the back that you're allowed to be blessed with a croissant, with a pastry as you leave to keep you going on the hard journey home. But thank you so much. That which you don't eat, the leadership will have to eat tomorrow when we gather to pray together. So, you know, think, think about burned here. And that. God bless you. And thank you, Andy and Rihanna.